Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and uh, welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I am here today with Jeff Polvino. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks, Richard, for having me. Awesome. Glad to have you here. Let me do a quick introduction for you so everyone knows who you are, and then we'll get in and start talking about your story a little bit. So Jeff Polvino is the Boost Media Group co-founder and CEO who has built and managed and consulted with numerous corporations in various fields of industry for the last 20 years. Your experience of business ownership and consulting ranges from startup ventures, software companies, healthcare, call centers, professional services, construction, mortgage, real estate, auto dealerships, and partner product, which is an insane amount of experience. Um, proficient in most aspects of business management, operations, startup, marketing, sales, motivation, and training, brings the vision to the business and his ability to think outside the box. He can innovate beyond the paradigms of a company's self-limiting belief systems. Given his breadth of diversity, he can quickly assess a business's strong and weak points, developing a strategic plan, plan to reach their long-term goals. So what I want to do real quick is talk about what it is that you are known for today, Jeff. What is it that people come to you for? Why do they hire you? Um, you know, what kind of struggles do they have when they reach out and say, Jeff, I need you to help me? You know, um, people have come to know us at Boost Media Group for our digital marketing strategies and how we can produce a strategy that's executable that can drive bottom line results to either increase their revenue, profits, um, and leads, or all of the above. Uh, is there any specific type of company that comes to you guys or like do you guys work in specific industries or is it across the board? What kind of companies do you work with? We don't limit ourselves to any specific industry, but we've done very well in the fitness industry. So um, some of our best successes have been with major fitness influencers. Some of the case studies we've released have been about how we've grown um, a particular fitness influencer from zero to a seven figure income um, online using marketing funnels and selling Ebooks, online courses, um, uh, doing online fitness coaching uh, and personal training. So, you know, that's kind of where our um, stardom is, if you will. And so we yeah. have a lot of clout in that industry and we get a lot of people coming to us from the fitness industry. Yeah, that's interesting. I do the, uh, the same kind of work and most of my uh, star cases have come out of the uh, real estate investing space. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of fun. It's interesting how that happens. Because like once you once you knock it out of the park for a client in that space, it's other people in space sort of come to you. So yes. yeah, yeah, and that's what people are are looking for proof of results because there's so much you can do in this space, and there's so many people out there that you can engage with, whether it's to get advice from or to hire. They're they're just really hungry to see something that they have some type of proof that it's going to work. Absolutely. 
So let's talk a little bit about your origin story, right? Every hero has one. This is where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. Where did you start to develop and discover the value that you can bring this world? And how did you start on this entrepreneurial journey? You know, um, I uh, grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago and moved to the Silicon Valley Bay Area, so south suburbs of San Jose, which is called Gilroy. Um, and uh, this was, you know, during a time when that dot-com boom and, and IPOs and stock options were really first on the scene. And I was, as I was, you know, um, graduating high school and going into college, it was right around that era that people were really starting to make money, insane money, in the first time in this space of IPOs and uh, uh, in the tech space and in, in, in what Silicon Valley has become known for. Um, and so I literally quit going to college and made it my mission in life to you know, get hired on at one of these startups. I was gonna get stock options. You know, I was gonna go do what all these other people were doing and some of my friends were doing. And so, um, you know, over the course of several years of working in the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley, I finally got hired on at a, um, uh, a venture capitalist funded startup by the name of CBCA. It wasn't anything super sexy in the tech space. It was uh, applying tech to the healthcare model, which had you know not been done yet. And um, we were a technology-based healthcare administrator. And long story short, over the course of three years and $100 million in funding through various funding rounds, you know, I rode that way from one of the first 10 employees to, you know, one of over 2,000 employees working directly for the, um, the CEO on a team that was responsible for project management. And we acquired most of that business um, through mergers and acquisitions. Um, and in that journey, uh, not graduating from college, I dropped out. You know, once I was around 2,000 other employees, I was always insecure about the fact that I didn't have a, a college degree. And what I learned was that I had this power and ability to identify process flows. When somebody would, would discuss how something worked, in my mind, I see a Visio flowchart with all the connecting pieces. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally that visual for me. And I'm asking, well, why doesn't this process do this and go over here and this go over here? And I'm, I'm able to identify weaknesses, efficiencies, and so on. And I was able to do this surrounding people that have been in that industry for 20 plus years that had MBAs. And I, I, it really shocked me because I was, they were looking to me for the answer. Like, hey, Jeff, I want to see how did you map out the call center? And I'm thinking, you've been doing this 20 years and have an MBA. So at that point, I, I was... Um, uh, very uh, aware of this was like a, a supernatural gift for me. And, and I've kind of been using it and grooming it ever since. That's awesome. So how did you make the transition from working in Silicon Valley as an employee to running your own company? You know, that, that, um, that's the stint with that company lasted a little over three years. And I traveled from San Jose to um, uh, Minneapolis. I lived in Bloomington, Minneapolis for a while, Dallas, Fort Worth area. And um, at the end of that, I ended up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I, I came back to California not knowing what I was going to do, and I jumped into real estate for a while, and um, I just had this desire to not work for somebody. I, I don't know, call it like 
I, there was like, even when I was in, in the real estate side of things, I was, I was ever since that kind of recognition of what my gift was, I'm constantly looking at processes and how to improve it. And I, I was just thinking like, I've got to find something that I can do, use this gift for something on my own that I can, I can be the business owner in. And I wasn't sure at that time, like what I was going to do, but I knew I had the desire to do that at that time. And so I started looking for different opportunities. Um, and, uh, after working for the, um, uh, the investment fund, we were buying distressed pop properties and flipping them. Um, I decided to start dabbling in, in investment real estate. So that's how I got into real estate investment. That's where I ventured out on my own at first. And, and that was really, I, I would say, you know, investing is definitely, definitely entrepreneurial, but it's a lot different than running a business. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to make some really good money and get good at real estate investing and flipping houses, but I wasn't able to quench my thirst to build a business. Yeah. And so I think that's what led to me looking for businesses to get involved with. And I started, um, you know, trying to start real estate service related companies until the market crashed. And then um, when the market crashed, we were doing all of our own marketing. So we just pivoted, spun out and started an agency. And that's where we, I've been ever since. I own other ventures that I'm involved with, but the agency is the heart of what I do. That's awesome. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned uh, Gilroy. I was in Gilroy last week. For, oh, uh, on. yeah, yeah. We, we travel full time and I was in, uh, in, in Gilroy and Morgan Hill in San Francisco with family. So oh, I'm, I'm jealous still. about the traveling full time. Um, no, I'm not in Gilroy. I'm actually in Sacramento, but oh, okay. I, I go down to the Bay area quite a bit. Some of the, the, the best friends, lifelong friends that I have are from the Bay area. And I love, I love that whole area out down well, there. We are currently in uh, Russian river, which is I think North of Sacramento. Oh yeah. Right on. Yeah. I love the fact you're at a point where you're traveling like you are. It's my goal to get there in the next, let's say, two to five years. Like I would love nothing more than to travel the majority of the year while doing this. So, do. so speaking of that specifically, you said your superpower, which we can talk about a little bit more, was your ability to see processes and document them and, and make them efficient. Yes. That's what unlocked it for me the ability to travel was putting processes together and down so my team could take things over and I could spend more of my time doing the things that only I could do. Right. right? And then uh, um, having all that stuff documented so other people could do them and make decisions the way I would make decisions um, has allowed me to travel the way that I do, which is fantastic. So I think you're well on your way if that's a goal you want to have. I know traveling is not for everyone, but if it is for you, it's super fun. Yes, I, it's, it's actually one of my life goals. So I, I look for, that's one of the things that drives me with the most passion is looking forward to being able to do that. Here, here, you want to, uh, um, we'll, we'll break, uh, break the fourth wall here, I guess. The, uh, we're actually in an RV right now. This is a, a fake backdrop and everything. That's, that's it's funny you say that because um, I hope I don't go, if I go too off tangent, please let me know. Um, my parents, uh, they work for um, a, a nonprofit that, they travel around retired in an RV and they donate their time and money to different missionary style projects. And that allows them to stay for free at different campgrounds. And they usually feed them and they're traveling literally all over the, 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 the Northern uh, continent, like uh, North America, they've been up to Canada and all through the U S and seeing them do that. It just, it's the most exciting thing they've ever done in their, in their senior years. 
Uh, but that's what really expanded on my idea of wanting to travel and doing the RV is exactly where my, if you, if I were to show you my goals, that is exactly what I want to do. So I had no idea that the backdrop was there. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, and it, it is a lot of fun to travel. Um, when you get it, get to, get to doing it. Um, we can uh, certainly connect later and talk a little bit more about it if you want to. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the travel lifestyle, it, especially with the, te the technology we have access to today, we still, I work with all my clients. I run my podcast. We got content creation stuff that's going on. We're always in new places. Um, the, just, I don't know, the way that the world has gone makes it so that it, it doesn't really matter where you are unless your work specifically requires you to be in a specific area. But for a lot of the type of service work that we do, it doesn't matter where you are as long as you have an internet connection. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about your superpowers, right? And you know, every hero has their superpowers. It's what you do or build or offer this world that helps solve problems for people. The things that you use to, so, so to speak, slay this world, slay your clients' villains. Um, what would you say your superpower is? And then specifically in your business, what is it that your business really strives to do? Okay. Um, well, like I mentioned, my superpower is the ability when, when whether we're talking about an operational process or the process of digital marketing and building an integrated marketing funnel, um, or we're talking about the sales process or the customer service process. When we start to talk about with our clients how they, their process goes, they're just verbally describing this to me. I see this, like I said, Visio flowchart in my head, and it, it's really that picturesque in my head, and I start to identify the, you know, where we can um, intersect things and obtain efficiencies and so on. So we, we do that with our clients on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's what our agency's superpower is. And that's how we take a very different approach. When, when somebody comes to us, whether they come to us and they say, hey, we need help with social media advertising, or we need help with marketing in general, or we need help with building a website or a funnel, we always take it back to, okay, what what are the, the let's understand the business let's get to know you let's understand the goals and before we go to work on anything we're going to engage in a strategy session so instead of engaging us on this big project that you really need help with why don't you hire us for this little piece and let's map out the strategy because one is i want to know that when i go to work on the big process and the big project that i know exactly what you want i want to know i want to have the entire thing mapped out if we're doing marketing, we always look at all of their competition. We look for the outliers in the industry that are performing well. We do a lot of you know, um, audits and market analysis, as well as understanding how to lay out the strategy for the next 12 to 24 months to achieve not their marketing goals, but their business goals. And yeah. so it's a very, very different approach that I've yet to find anybody who does it quite the way we do at the level we do it. And, and I think that's one of the things that allows us to really um, achieve success for our clients and is because we have an understanding going into before we do one day of work, what success looks like. So we're not waiting for that nod of acknowledgement and approval from the client like we're doing a good job. We've already defined what success looks like from day one. And more importantly, we're not spending the first three months of work figuring things out we know exactly what we're going to do day one when we go to work because we plan the next 12 months yeah and it's a it's a really interesting way to 
approach the business as well, because um, one of the things we talk about on the show frequently is understanding the monster you want to build, right? And and if you're going to get in like some, you know, because we're in the same space, some of your clients want to become famous, right? They want to be well known in the space. They want to be the number one person in their thing. And they, you know, whether or not that turns into revenue sometimes is irrelevant because they have a different goal, right? And then some of your clients are like, I don't care if right. anyone knows my name. I just want sales to come in on a consistent basis so I can go do the thing I want to do. Right. And knowing, knowing the actual end goal, what success looks like changes the avenue that you take and the work that you actually put in. Absolutely. And you have to disarm the client and, and, and as well as the agency ourselves within the budget conversation, because the budget conversation becomes easy to have when I understand how to manufacture increased profitability for the company. In order for me to manufacture increased prop profitability and bottom line revenue for the company, literally like a machine manufacturing that, I've got to understand how the company operate, operates and, and what, where their profit margins are with each product line. Now, if I understand that, I can understand how to deliver customers that increase the margin, which then increases the marketing budget. So yeah. for us to hit the goals of the company, We've got to disarm that conversation. And I find the only way to really do that is, is through an engagement where we can analyze that and understand that. Because before, you know, we always would try to extract that information out of them. And when it comes to budget, they just want to give you the lowest amount possible. We want you to do the absolute most for the least and, and manufacture this huge success, which just doesn't usually work very well. Yeah. So when you understand what it is they want and how you can create the business. Do you guys do any product development as well? Like help them develop products to fill in holes in their, in their, their marketing space or? We do. Um, we provide a lot of creative consultative, you know, information, um, especially with um, influencers that are selling digital products and services, such as like, you know, fitness influencers that are doing the online coaching, like a Jeremy Buendia. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the, the other side of your superpower is your fatal flaw, right? You know, like Superman has his kryptonite, Batman's not actually a superhero. What is something that you have struggled with in growing your own business that um, you've had to overcome, something that you've had to sort of work on? And how have you sort of overcome that to grow your business now? So if other people who struggle with something similar might be able to uh, learn from that. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I love picturing Superman and kryptonite uh, because you know, what comes to mind is that kryptonite is only effective when it's near him and present. In other mm -hmm. words, if it's managed, it doesn't have much of an effect on him, right? Yeah. And so what I've come to learn is that, you know, part of my superpower is to be able to see opportunity. And so I see business opportunity everywhere. And so in my past, I've often allowed myself to get very distracted and focus on other opportunities that weren't in line with the core vision I have with Boost Media Group um, or other opportunities that maybe um, uh, weren't as well thought out and distracted me from you know, being successful in other areas. And so what I've had to learn to do is to embrace my creative side and recognize those opportunities, but I I've got to file them somewhere. Because if not, I just go crazy thinking about it. So I, I write down all my ideas um, and I file them in a, a virtual notebook and I 
I only allow myself through self-discipline to let that idea out, kind of like, you know, storing the kryptonite away to where it's not going to bother me and let only the good ideas out that aren't going to have a negative effect on me. And that I've, I've vetted yeah. to be, you know, that I've got the bandwidth to work on or that they're in line with this, this, uh, this vision of, of a suite of services to help business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And it's like, you like have an idea notebook. I have, I have the same kind of thing going. And one of the things I've noticed is, um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where like you have a dream at night and you wake up and you're like, like you're thinking to yourself, like, man, this could be like, it's like the greatest story that's ever happened. And right. it could be a, you know, a blockbuster. It's the greatest idea. And you wake up in the morning, you think about it a little bit more and you're like, Oh, I was just, you know, I was having a crazy, you know, mushroom induced dream, right? Whatever is going on. And I feel like sometimes the ideas we have are like that, where you're like, I have an idea and it's the greatest thing ever. And if you let yourself get distracted by it, um, then you go down paths that don't really help your business. But if you file it away and you let, just like sort of let it simmer and let your mind get out of the honeymoon phase with that idea, you realize like, oh, that doesn't actually fit with my life. Right. It doesn't fit with my goals, right? So you have to sort of stick them over there and let them ruminate on their own for a little while so you can actually see. And the, you'll, the ones that are good will come back. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I had to, I mean, I, I chased a lot of dreams that I failed on that way. And it's only through looking into the past and watching some of those failures and realizing, like, like you said, I like the, you know, once you let it go through that honeymoon phase, you kind of look at it for what it is and, and you realize, oh, that maybe isn't such a great idea, but if you let that derail you in the honeymoon phase, it might take you a little while to, to realize that you maybe made a big mistake. And so I, I learned that the hard way. And I, I just, I've learned through a lot of um, matured self awareness and discipline, how to, how to deal with that. Yeah. And it's something I think a lot of entrepreneurs have to deal with because we're very visionary people and constantly having ideas and it's learning which ones are actually worth their salt and which ones aren't and how to, uh, which ones um, are going to drive towards your goals and which ones aren't. Yes. Yeah, that's a, it's a good skill to work on developing. So what I talk about next is uh, your common enemy, right? And this one is um, specifically think of this in terms of your clients, right? When you bring on a new client, if there is something that you wish you could just remove from their mindset, remove from their thinking or whatever it is, their business that you know is holding them back. And if you could just like wave your magic wand and make it go away, you know, you could get them results so much faster than normal. You know, it's... Um... Most businesses that we work with, whether they're a startup or years established, have at some point, whether they've tried it themselves or they've hired uh, an agency to do it, they have failed at marketing. Mm -hmm. They had something that didn't go the way they thought it would. They had something that, that didn't go the way they wanted it to, whether it was budget money that was lost or time investment that they personally invested into it. And probably because I work so much in the fitness industry, I've really equated this analogy to, to really help people understand it um, when I'm dealing with the client, is that they come to this relationship of engagement with all this neg negative stigma uh, about marketing and what's worked in the past, and they're very guarded, very similar to somebody who's maybe tried you know, four fad diets and joining the gym and hasn't been successful in losing weight it has very little to do with how good or bad that diet was. And it has very little to do with whether that gym was a good gym or not, or whether that personal trainer was the right personal trainer for them. 
It has more to do with how much of a lifestyle change they initiated to truly take fitness seriously. And, and I love the analogy lifestyle change because what I find is most companies aren't willing to implement a lifestyle change within the company in order to develop the right marketing success that they look at it very much like that fad diet. Like, okay, let's go try some social media ads. And this is what everybody's talking about. And we're gonna go spend 90 days and drop five grand a month on social media ads. And, and then after 90 days, they walk away from it. Well, that doesn't work. Well, no, that's not true. Social media ads work very well. The way you did it doesn't work. You didn't adopt a lifestyle change within your company. You jumped into the fad diet and you're gonna have terrible results every time doing that. And, and so I think that when you can paint the picture like that, I think everybody has tried a diet at one point in their life. I think everybody can relate to that analogy. And I truly believe that that is what is wrong with a lot of companies' approaches to marketing. They haven't fully vested into a lifestyle change, change for their organization. Yeah, and I know like I, I talk frequently with my clients about the idea that um, the, the business that you're in, um, as particularly with the digital, digital publishers, right? They have courses and they have, um, things that they, they, they were sold this dream that I'm in a low margin business, right? Right. And you know, what that means is like, if I sell a course for a hundred bucks that I get to keep a hundred dollars. And the reality is, is that like most successful businesses operate on like a 28 to a 30% margin. Right. And when you're in a digital publishing business, you have to be thinking in that terms because your co cost of customer acquisition is going to be like 70%. Right. <laughs> um, and if you're not willing to look at the marketing and actually take it for that, like I've, I've got clients that are like, you know, uh, we spent, you know, we spent $700 to make a $900 sale. Like why? Like it doesn't work. And I'm like, but that's profitable. It worked. <laughs> um, and it's, it's like a, a mindset shift they have to make where it's not, um, I don't know. Like I, it seems like there's a lot of people that think that marketing should be easy and business should be free, um, especially in this space, um, not without realizing how much it actually costs and what it actually takes to run a successful marketing campaign and to actually get people to buy. Yeah. You, I mean, it, absolutely so much truth in that in, more importantly, what's the lifetime value of that customer? Because yeah. if it, even if you only made $100 on that first deal, you got to have the strategy to have the residual sales to now support your upfront costs yeah. and so on. So, um, yeah, it's just the baggage that I think in misconceptions that whether you're a new company or what I find is you're a company that's been in business for 20 years and you haven't really embraced digital marketing yet you've got a website and social media you've done the bare minimums and you've you know you don't really have a digital marketing budget and you're wondering why you're you're losing customers and your customer acquisition is going up and you're looking for a patch you know to put on the dam when you need to do a complete paradigm shift and fully embrace it and it's so hard to get them to see probably what you and i see that a lot of times you're just kind of shaking your head going, man, I just hope yeah. you're not out of business in five years. Yeah. You have to, you have to really pivot to take advantage of what's going on right now. Cause building an audience has never been easier and right. getting in front of the people that you want to get in front of has never been easier. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's not um, just cause it's easy. doesn't mean it's cheap. 
and doesn't right. mean it's like doesn't have you don't you you can't go like strategy lists like you have to actually do it intelligently i mean do it in a way that you can recoup your costs and know how to drive sales like you said over and over again um and once you've created the customer and created the relationship um and you have to actually care about the customers and whatnot because you know you're a lot closer to your customers today than you were 10 years ago right well and it's that long-term roi on brand by caring about what the customer that's going to lower the cost and make it more viral it, it, that's where you know the short term it's it's okay let's focus on the low-hanging fruit generating sales and let's make sure those customers are happy but in five years when we've established brand now you're going to be able to spend less on the advertising and lower your customer acquisition cost absolutely so let's talk about the other side of the common enemy and talk about your driving force so you know spider-man fights to save new york batman fights to save gotham google fights to index all the world's information what is it that you guys fight for in your business um you know the thing that drives me the most and i would hope is somewhat systemic in the culture is being successful and helping others be successful. Like I, I used to think that, you know, why I wanted to become an entrepreneur was money. And, and then I used to think it was freedom until you spend like this obsessive amount of time working on your goal and you realize, okay, well it might be freedom, but it's definitely not to work less. And you're, 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 you know, trying to develop like, why am I doing this? And I know I feel passionate about it. And so what I've learned over the years is it doesn't matter to me, assuming that I'm in the positive and I'm, I, you know, all my needs are met and I, my goals are met. Like, it doesn't matter to me if I'm making a hundred thousand a month or a million a month profit, as much as it matters to me that I'm successful at helping people and turning that into success for them. There's this, like this vision of what is success for me. And, and part of that is having an amazing culture at Boost, having everybody love to work here, to actually provide value to the customers that we service. Those are all kind of the definitions of success for me. And that is, is what really, really drives me. Yeah. And um, one of the things I really like about that is just the idea that you know, you know, you figured out sort of what, what it is that really drives you. And I know when I started my business 10 or 11 years ago now, I remember thinking like the reason I was in business because I, I wanted to hit a revenue goal, right? right. Like that was, that was the thing I wanted. And a lot, I think a lot of entrepreneurs get into business that way. Like I have a revenue goal I want to hit. Um, and along the way, I hit a revenue number where I was like, suddenly I don't know what to do with any more money. Right. Right. And it wasn't there yet. Like I wasn't at the goal I had set out. And, you know, you reevaluate and you're like, oh, there's actually other things I care more about, like having lunch with my kids and traveling and other things. Um, and sort of once you, once, um, what's interesting is like, once you sort of take, once I took the focus off the revenue goal and put it on the things that I really wanted to drive my business forward to, um, which for me was time, freedom, location, freedom, that kind of stuff. Um, I actually ended up hitting that other revenue goal. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like really understanding what success is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, talk a little bit about your hero's tool belt. Right. Um, so maybe you have a big magical hammer like Thor or bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer, or maybe you just really love how Evernote helps you organize your thoughts. What are some of the tools that you use every day in your business to either drive sales or service clients or make your business go? Wow, that's interesting. Um, we use all sorts of tools. I think it's uh, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're, we're at about 50 plus people 
right now. And um, we've got some exciting news that we'll be launching in the next, uh, uh, announcing in the next 30 days. And, and we'll probably double the size of the company by the end of the year. Um, and we're all remote. Um, we use virtual offices like Regis Corporate Suites to meet with clients. So we meet in Class A environments, um, Class A office buildings. And, uh, uh, but all of our uh, team, we're 100% remote company working from home. And it's the, the tools that we use for the collaboration and the project management that, and the way we use them that I think allows us to work more efficiently than most other agencies out there regardless of their size. And I think that we're far more advanced than agencies that might be 10 times our size in the areas of um, project management, time tracking, and so on. Uh, we, we use Zoho Projects um, along with uh, Zoho Click, which is very much a, a, a copy of like Slack. And we use a Zoho Analytics dashboard that overlays all the other Zoho tools and we pull a lot of data into customary uh, dashboard. It's kind of like uh, Tableau, if you've ever used that or heard of that. And we, we very are much are into the business analytic data on our own business and how efficiently we're running the projects and monitoring the budgets and so on. So there, with data management and analysis, in addition to like the market marketing data, like there's a lot of agencies that are probably good at analyzing uh, Google Analytics, right? Yeah. But when we, we overlay and start to build customized reports, analyzing the operational data and how well we're doing in project management and so on, those are just areas that um, where we're using technology tools that I think we're, we've been able to engineer internal processes, products, and reporting that allow us to be far superior than any, anyone else out there. That's really awesome. So I have a curious question. You, you mentioned you're at 50 employees and working on maybe doubling the size of your business over the next year. How many people do you have reporting directly to you to manage a team that size? Um, well, I have an operations manager that reports directly to me. Um, I, am, I have a creative director that uh, reports directly to me. And then I usually have a few um, executive uh, administrative assistants. So right now I've got three executive VAs that report directly to me just to handle all those special little projects that I give them. And then when, um, when I take something like very seriously, like under my umbrella, I'll, I'll take unique projects um, and have them that project report directly to me in, in order to get it started or to get a change initiated. And then I'll spin it back out under operations. So I was just thinking in my head, cause that's something, you know, I'm working on growing my agency that way. So I'm picking your brain a bit. Um, five people is how many you're managing. And then those people are managing the rest of your team. Correct. So you think that ratio works pretty well where you, you know, you've got, you've got four or five people that are reporting directly to you and they each probably have, five, you know, four to five to 10 people reporting to them to manage a team that size. It, it takes a long time. You know, it, I think you have to accept the fact that you've got to build um, trust around the people that you've selected to own certain processes within your company and allow them to handle it uh, in order to grow and scale. And you've got to let go a little bit about, if you're anything like me, your perfectionist vision of how you want <laughs> things done 
and allow it to be headed in the right direction instead of knowing exactly where it's going to end up. Um, I often use the analogy, me being in California, in Sacramento, that I might desire to go to the East Coast, or I could say I'm going to Florida mm -hmm. or Miami. Those are all different variations of detail. Going to the East Coast is very vague. Going to Florida is more specific. Going to Miami is very specific. A lot of times, you know, people that are highly analytical, like, like maybe yourself and myself, we need to know we're going to Miami. But what I've realized over the years is today, if my first day of driving or even my first three days of driving, I don't need to know I'm going to Miami. In fact, I'm going to be more productive if I at least get the team headed the right direction so I can get everybody into Miami. So, or maybe we choose to not go to Miami. We choose to go somewhere else like Virginia. The first three days of travel, there's no wasted time. And by making a decision to head that direction and you don't have it all figured out, you're going to make quicker progress. So I, I've, I've used that analogy quite a bit with my own internal team to help foster a um, more agile, uh, nimble, you know, management style uh, so that we can make progress and grow as a company without having to define exactly what it needs to be today and allowing the management team as well as that departmental team of that responsible for that work product to guide that process as well. And it's allowed me to, to um, take a little bit less control and it allows me to maybe come in and give little direction corrections along the way so they kind of end up where they need to. Yeah, so it looks it makes the growth of your company more like a journey and less like a uh, um, like a destination. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for yeah. some people, that's scary. I think for people that you know that that are used to mapping things out, that becomes a little bit whoa. Well, you know, what are we doing? But I think once they get used to seeing success in that in that kind of management style, um, it, it becomes something that most people can embrace. One of the things that's uh, interesting is there's a there's a fun parallel to that it, with actual traveling. One of the things that we learned really quick when we started traveling a couple of years ago was we tried to like map out everything we were going to do for the next like six months. Like we're going right. to be here on this date and here on this date and here on this date and here on this date all the way through because anyway, why feel better if we had reservations everywhere? Um, and we learned really quick that that's really hard to do because like things change and you blow something up in an engine or you know, you find something really cool you want to go see or something else happens or, you know, you've got a birthday you want to go visit someone on. And when you have all these reservations, like you have all the destinations mapped out, um, it's very difficult to change things. It's very difficult to adapt and change to the environment as it changes around you. And so now what we do is we're like, we have a place we want to go. Like we're trying to make it to Vancouver before winter, right? right. And that's, that's like all we have. Like I don't even have reservations for Thursday. Right. Like right. we don't know. We're just going to go that direction and see what happens. Um, and we've been doing that for a year and a half now. And it works out really, really well to sort of know the trajectory of where you want to go and just l let life happen. Uh, right. And it's a lot freer and it's a lot more organic. And, and anyways, the travel works well. And it sounds like that's sort of the, the, the way that you're growing your business. Exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, you end up when you when you commit yourself that far in advance, like your, you know, your situation where you guys had planned out and made reservations, it becomes more difficult to start unwinding some of those things that you committed to as mm -hmm. you need to make plan changes. And you just realize through, you know, learning the hard way that like, Hey, that's now I got to unwind everything I committed to just to go a slightly different direction. And so, uh, 
yeah, we've just learned uh, as we've made changes over the years that it just that just works for us. And by the way, my wife would be the same way. She would we would have everything planned out. <laughs> I can tell you from experience, it doesn't work for the same reason, right? You want to change one thing, and you're like, I've got to change six months worth of stuff. We can't change anything. We're stuck, right? Yeah, we got in this lifestyle for freedom, and now we have no freedom. Um, so, anyway. When I start to travel, I'm gonna I'm gonna be giving you some call for the expert tips. I, I promise. <laughs> awesome. The usual will be right back. Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. Simply text the word ALCHEMY, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, to 444-999, and I'll send you all the details. The music is by Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. So I'm going to talk a little bit about your own personal heroes, right? So Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who were maybe a few years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your life and in your business? Yeah, this is one that I, uh, it's pretty easy for me because I think about it quite a bit. Um, I'm very much uh, uh, about having people that you look up to, whether you call them a mentor or not, but people that you... Um, aspire to match certain qualities that they project. Um, for me, my first childhood hero was Michael Jordan. I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago. How could I not be a Jordan fan? I mean, and as I became a young adult um, and I learned more about him, he became even more of a hero because like when you read his biography and hear his story about how difficult it was for him to play basketball in the beginning, it just was like, you know, oh my God, I would have never guessed that as a kid, seeing him perform on, yeah. on the basketball court, right? So he was probably my first hero. Um, and then uh, as I became an entrepreneur um, or wanted to be an entrepreneur, my second hero was Walt Disney, as I looked into his life and, and what he was able to achieve. Um, and uh, more recently, um, I would say like Gaynor Vaynerchuk is somebody that I have a lot of respect for. Um, Andy Stanley is another person that I have a, a lot of respect for. Um, and those are two examples of people that I listen to their stuff as much as I can get my hands on. So curious question. Have you ever seen the napkin that Disney wrote out on um, how he was going to map all his, their, their company stuff together and how they all sort of fed each other? Yes. Yes. Doesn't that blow your mind? Oh, insane. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, uh, maybe we can get this in the show notes. There is uh, Walt Disney wrote on a napkin. You know, he had his, uh, his movies and he had their um, parks and they had the radio and they had the television and he had a whole map drawn out of how each one fed the other one. And it was the, sort of like this first idea of what we might look at now as uh, um, a pretty standard social media strategy to make sure that you're in all the places and how everything sort of feeds itself. You know, he was doing that, you know, 40 years before for uh, any, anyone else was thinking. Um, it's really fascinating. Well, yeah, and he was doing that before he even made his first movie. Like, yeah. I mean, he was, he was just such a visionary and, and he really didn't get to realize the massive benefit of what he had the foresight to do 
because it's only really come to like massive acceleration in, in revenues and profits, like in our in lifetime. Last, yeah. In the last yeah. 10 years or so. Yeah. And it's just, it's like this, it's insanely compounding all the time. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that, um, that Disney nailed really early on, which is something that I think more and more people are starting to realize in the marketing space is how important characters are. Right. Right. And how important the storytelling is. And they realized really early on that the reason people were going to stick with them and follow Disney and follow them was because they would build character assets and they acquired things like Marvel and acquired things like Marvel, um, sorry, Star Wars and Marvel and whatnot for character bases, character assets and stories. Um, and, you know, looking at them as a model for like how we build, you have to build your story and build a character that people actually love and see the, uh, the hero's journey and that kind of stuff. And that's actually, it's really good marketing. You know, I've never done the Disney social media analogy, but I'm running with it in my mind. And I'm like, look, even the messaging that is designed to entertain the children. And then there's also other messaging for a different persona for the adult audience that the, the children don't even understand or key in on that makes it humorous for the adult. It's kind of like how the messaging has to be segmented in social media for different buyer personas. Like, I like where you're going with that analogy. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, um, I, 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 I take a lot of inspiration from what Disney does. Actually, the, this, this show comes from, uh, the outline for the show comes from uh, Marvel's um, story arc for um, hero characters, right? So they, they have their six points for, for every hero that they put together, which is their origin story, their superpower, fatal flaw, driving force, their tools, um, and their guiding principles, right? So like those, that's what sets up, a, um, sets up a hero and they, they go through and they do their, their origin story movies and they hit all those pieces um to build a character right so that's sort of what you know i modeled it after uh after disney marvel's um you know story character arcs because you know i think um i think it's a it's a really powerful thing to understand how to um if you're going to market yourself how to build yourself up or build a character story profile around who you are um, right because that's what's going to get people to to buy into you and buy into your products buy into your services um, because we're designed to, as human beings, designed to connect with stories, right? So we need to learn how to tell our own story and who better to model after than someone like Disney who's built a multi-billion dollar company mastering storytelling. Yeah, I like that. So it's really fun. So let's bring it home for our listeners, talk a little bit about your guiding principles. What are the top one or two principles or actions that you use regularly on a daily basis to contribute to the success and influence that your business enjoys today? Ones that maybe you wish you knew when you started out building your company? So, um, you know, one of the, the principles, at least within our company and the culture that I instill from day one is, is early on in the interview process is I don't like or want yes people. That we're not a company of agreeance, just to agree. That you're hired, you're hired to work here to be creative and to give your opinion. So don't say yes if you think knows the, the right answer. Don't say yes and proceed down a path if you have questions about if that's the best way to handle it. Speak your mind and collaborate. And, and that goes for me too as the boss. Like I'm, I'm oftentimes not the smartest person in the room. I was you know, just in, a, in a, an accounting call the other day and we had a, a unique client situation and they're like, how do you think we should handle this? And I'm like, well, we could do this, this, and this. And, you know, and then the person in charge of accounting goes, 
or we could do this. And I'm like, yep, that's way smarter than what I said. You definitely should do that because you're way smarter than me when it comes to this accounting stuff, right? And that's a perfect example where I think that as an owner, um, as a boss, as an entrepreneur, you know, you usually have a pretty good idea about what you want to do and how you want to do it. But I think you've got to be open to the people that are around you because they're seeing things from different angles and point of view. And you've got to let them um, uh, collaborate and chime in. And there's got to be a culture that fosters that and allows us to discuss it, but then agree on a direction so it doesn't paralyze that. Uh, so yeah. I think that's got to be one of them. Yeah. So one of the things like, I, you know, my team is only like four people strong right now. And um, so I'm not quite to the point where I got 50 people in there. But one of the things I realized really quickly was the moment that you're surrounded with people who are like, they all have their skill sets and the things that they're really good at. And you realize that like the stuff that I wanted to hold on to and think that I was good at, um, realize that they might do it differently, but it's going to get done better. It's going to get done faster because you've, you've sort of let go of those things. And I like the idea of getting to a point in your business where you've surrounded yourself with people who are smarter than you. Um, it reminds me of a, uh, that, that uh, story, I don't know how true it is, of uh, Henry Ford, you know, someone asking him, you know, you know, how, how can you be this smart kind of thing? And, you know, they ask him some math question, and he just calls up one of his engineers and like, gets the question answered, right? Because he's the, the, the power of running a business is that you can surround yourself with people who are smarter than you to accomplish bigger goals than you could accomplish yourself. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, you, you said it very well, is that they're going to do it different. Like, they're, they're, you, if you give people the latitude to you know, engineer the outcome, success, the work product on their own, they may go through a very different path to get there. And, and that path may be less efficient, maybe it's more efficient, maybe the work product's a little you know, less standard than you would have developed on your own, maybe it's better. You can make those corrections along the way, but you've gotta give them the confidence, I think, which is the most important, to be able to problem solve and adjust on their own. Otherwise, you're creating a culture and organization that's completely dependent upon you. And even yeah. if you get them doing the work, they're not gonna be able to do the work without your input, which you've only solved half the problem then. So it, it takes a little bit of, at least for me, because I'm very much a perfectionist and sometimes been accused of being a control freak. So, you know, it took a little bit of, of building that skill set within my in myself to take the hands off and, and let them kind of you know proceed on their own so i'm curious if this is something that you've integrated into your process one of the things that i've been doing to deal with that exact issue is when i assign work or build processes one of the things that i start with when i'm um, showing my staff how to do something or how i would do something is i start with my thinking right here's why i'm thinking this way and then as a result of that thinking here's the process i've come up with Right, and so if you're doing this, as long as you have the thinking right, you can do whatever process you want. This is the one I've come up with. If you have ways to improve it or make it better, feel free, right? And that's sort of how I've been trying to foster that kind of, that kind of uh, thinking in my, in my business. And I do exactly the same thing. Um, I, in fact, the more you're dealing with people that you're giving leadership authority, if you want them to make decisions and run the company like you would, you've got to do that. You've got to teach them how you think. And so, you know, um, uh, I'll, and, and they'll tell me why they're thinking the opposite, right? So it's, yeah. it's something that it also um, fosters within the environment of the culture. Absolutely. Cool. Well, 
that pretty much brings us to the end of the interview, but I do a couple more things. Um, one of them is the hero challenge. We do the hero challenge in every show. It's pretty simple. And it's just this, do you have someone in your network that you think has a really cool entrepreneurial journey? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come on and share their story on the show? Oh yeah, that's easy. I didn't realize that was gonna be one of the questions, but I'm super excited you're asking me. Um, so uh, John Pyron is my business coach and consultant. Um, long story short, uh, you know, I've had, I've been blessed with some amazing business partners in my previous entrepreneurial ventures. And I've had business partners in, on the marketing side as well, but I never found the, the right partner on the marketing side. And I always felt like, you know, man, I'm missing this partnership because I've had it before. And so I was looking for this right partnership and I met John Pyron, who's my business coach. And I would have never, for whatever reason, thought of hiring a mentor or a coach, right? And I met him and within the first few meetings, he was able to, to like point me in, in the right direction on a few things that really had me stuck for a long time. And it changed, or I shouldn't change, it opened up my mind. And I'm like, why would I have not have entertained this before? And I can only imagine where I'd be if I would have implemented this, because we'll be in business 10 years next year. If I wish I would have implemented this year too. I mean, I think I'd be like so much further down the path of trying to hit my goals. And so uh, he's just an amazing business coach and entrepreneur and just a great all around guy. They call him the business doctor. And uh, it, I would highly recommend um, considering having him on your show. Absolutely. So we'll reach out afterwards and, uh, and get connected for details on that. I'd um, love to have cool guests on the show and get their story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Last thing, where can people find you if they want to hire um, Boost Mobile or if they want to talk to you, if they want to get their business going, where can they reach out and find you? And more importantly, who are the ideal type of clients to reach out? Yeah, sure. So our ideal client is, um, you know, anyone from a small to medium business who wants to grow their online marketing to generate more leads and revenue. Um, that they're ready to make a commitment to embracing that and they want to work with somebody that's detail-oriented detail -oriented enough to map out a, a long-term strategy that will be successful. Um, as far as where to find me, if you go to jeff.marketing, that's a, a website that I have, a landing page that has all my information. I always uh, allow anybody um, to schedule a, a free 30-minute call with me where we can go over high-level strategy and talk about if it would be a good fit for us to work together. My agency is boostmediagroup.com, and you can go to that website and check out all of our agency information as well as connect with us uh, via social media there too. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, giving that. So it's uh, jeff.marketing if they want to speak with you and Boost Media. What you, was Boost Media what? Boostmediagroup.com. Boostmediagroup.com. So they can reach out um, to you there. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jeff. Really appreciate it. I think it was a fantastic conversation. Look forward to uh, seeing you on the road here in the next couple of years when you hit, your, uh, hit those business goals. I look forward to that as well. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Um, I look forward to carrying on the conversation. Absolutely. Have a good day. All right. Take care.